Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 387. I am your host, Blaine Pugvay, and I am doing this show solo today. Uh, Treg had gum surgery, so he's unable to talk, and Matt is currently deployed overseas. However, he did send in some notes, and I will be reading those and then going over them on here, uh, almost like it's a discussion. So, essentially... Busy week in the Canadian circle today. It's uh, Wednesday, the 10th of January, uh, and they are going to be playing against the Philadelphia Flyers, which is fitting for base, uh, based on what we're going to be talking about here. Um, so essentially, this is going to be talking about the cutter Goatsey drama in Philly and with the Canadians, uh, Trevor Zegers's availability, whether he's a fit or not, um, and... and some talk about the three goalie system and what's going on there. Uh, also some news. Um, so let's start off with the news. The, uh, the Anaheim ducks who I was told did not need any defensemen by people online in the last few days, because they're so deep at defense. Uh, granted they have a really good prospect pool, but they needed NHL defensemen. And today the uh, Anaheim ducks, claimed Gustav Lindstrom off waivers from the Canadians. Now, Lindstrom hasn't played very much this season, especially in Montreal. And he he will provide them some depth. And honestly, the Ducks aren't that much worse off than the Canadians, but they are worse. Uh, they're, they're another non-playoff team. So he'll he'll probably get more time to play there. Uh, but for the Canadians, what this means is that Lidstrom will not be available to them to play uh, with the Laval Rocket, who got all kinds of injury news uh, this morning. A uh, couple of defensemen, a couple of forwards, including Sean Farrell, all going to be out for weeks at a time. Um, and Lidstrom would have been a big help to a Laval Rocket team who are competing for a playoff spot. Uh, and needed some help on defense, especially on the right-hand side. So, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, the Canadians lose him out of the system, even though he was probably going to be allowed to walk at the end of the season. But that's that's later. The The hurt is more for the now. But, hey, here at Habs Unfiltered, we wish him the best, best of the luck over in uh, Anaheim and in, the fu- in his future career. Um, more on Laval, more news from Laval, and that is, uh, Logan Mayu. He was named to the AHL all-star team. So congratulations to Logan Mayu, who, uh, who's been having a very good season with Laval so far, uh, for a kid who's only, who only had a hundred OHL games prior to, uh, joining the pro ranks. His development's looking pretty good so far. He's, he's not NHL ready, but uh, a full season in the AHL, including an all-star nomination, it bodes well. Uh, all right, so 
from there, we'll go on to talk about the uh, Goatsy drama. And I'm going to start with what my co-host Matt Smith sent to me from overseas. And here it goes. In terms of Cutter Goatsy, you have a skilled young forward drafted fifth overall in 2022 who scored two goals and 10, uh, and 10 assists at the World Juniors winning gold medal for the USA. During that tournament, it was revealed that the Flyers brass went to Sweden to meet with him, which he declined to do so. Uh, he also declined to meet other members of the Flyers, including John Clare and Patrick Sharp, at his Boston campus. Now, this is a quote from Matt. And I quote, This screams immaturity. You may not want to play for the team that drafted you, but at least man up and speak to the team, especially when you have individuals specifically traveling to see you. You don't have to give them the whole song and dance about why you don't want to play for the organization, but at least be a grown-up about it and not hide behind your representatives. End quote. Now, um, I kind of disagree with, uh, with Matt here, but I also kind of agree. I agree that speaking to them and telling them your intentions would be the, um, the above board way of doing things. Um, but once the more information came out, it wasn't just him saying, yeah, I don't want to play for this team. He wasn't pulling, uh, you know, a, a prima donna move saying, I don't want to play for you guys. Um, and, and that was it. Uh, it had a lot to do with how he and his camp felt that they were treated. So whether you agree with his reasoning or not, this is his reasoning. And it's uh, Elliot Freeman reported it that he was expecting to sign a contract at the end of his, uh, his, his first season with Boston college or yeah, Boston college and uh, play a couple of games in the NHL burning off a year of his entry-level deal, which a lot of teams do for their NCAA players, especially the ones that are drafted that high. Turns out the Flyers told him, no, we're not going to sign you because we don't want the, uh, we don't want the salary cap hit of the, uh, the, the bonus structure because they would have been over the cap and they would have had to pay the bonus structure penalty in this cap season. And, you know, they didn't want to do that. They told him to just come to camp, see what happens. Uh, they probably would have signed him to a deal prior to going to the main camp anyway. And he would have started his entry-level deal this year. But apparently it was a handshake agreement that they were going to sign him at the end of the first season after, you know, going into the 2023 summer. Uh, and they, the Flyers changed management teams uh, and chose not to sign him. So it, that does have an impact on a young player. Uh, they expected something. They didn't get what they were expecting. Uh, especially being a fifth overall pick, they felt that maybe they were entitled to a little bit of, I don't know, leeway, I suppose. And they didn't get it. So Goatsy and his camp did not get uh, what they were looking for in that. And they felt slighted. I, I know the handshake deal was not made with the current management team. But that doesn't matter to Gautier and his camp. So prior to that happening, Gautier wanted to be a flyer. After it happened, he did not. Now, the rumors were flying around that uh, 
Kevin Hayes was telling him, hey, don't, you know, flyers suck, blah, blah, blah. Now, that may be true. May be true. But with someone whispering that in your ear, then a team reneges on a handshake deal that you felt that they should have honored. Well, maybe that voice starts to get, you know, you, you start to give it more credence and you realize, hey, you know, they're not above board. They're not, a, they're not, you know, they're not doing what they're, they're not staying, to, sticking to their word. So why should I, why should I have to bother? And he chose not to be a flyer anymore. Now, all of that aside, I don't think anybody should have even heard a word about this. But because the Flyers had to trade away their fifth overall pick from a year and a half ago, uh, they knew that they were going to be inundated with all kinds of angry messages and letters and posts and everything from their fan base. So they they went out of their way to kind of throw this kid under the bus. As, as immature as Matt said uh, Goetze was for not standing up and talking to these guys, I find that's a little bit underhanded by the organization. Hey. Honestly, would I have done different? Eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not a GM. But I know this much. Uh, had this been done by, say, I don't know, Kent Hughes with the Canadians, Hughes would be dragged through the mud almost as much as the kid would have been for not wanting to play in Montreal. And the irony is not lost on me for the fact that a kid who said he did not want to play for the Flyers is now being ostracized by that fan base who, 30 years ago, were the beneficiaries of a kid saying, I don't want to play for the Nordiques. I mean... It's kind of poetic justice when you think about it. So for myself, I know I know it's not uh, 100% above board on either side, but if Cutter Goetze goes to the Anaheim Ducks, wears number 88 and says it's in honor of Lindros, I am 100% buying an Anaheim Ducks Cutter Goetze number 88 jersey. I can do nothing else because at the very least, the kid would have steered into the skid and turned all of this drama into something to his benefit and made it funny at the same time. Because I'm going to be honest, that would have been, that would be hilarious. Now, um, so Matt brings up another point in that people rushed to social media saying that Kent Hughes should have been all over this deal, this trade to get Goatsy because he was being shopped to like 18, 20 teams or whatever. And it, it cost, Anaheim, a second round pick, and Jamie Drysdale, who was a sixth overall pick just a couple of years prior, who's on a three year, $2.3 million deal until 2025. So, put the Canadians, the cost to acquire Goatsy would have likely included a young defender, so Gooley, Hudson, Reinbacher. And Matt doesn't believe the Canadians would have been comfortable paying that price. I'm going to have to agree with him. Um, the original the original rumor was that the Canadians were uh, to they were offered Goatsy in return for their fifth overall pick, which ended up being Reinbacher. It's uh, eh, had it been, you know, you, you get the fifth and then 
you, you, you give them the fifth for Gauthier and you get the seventh back and something else would go back with the fifth overall. Um, I don't think that would have been a problem. But the fact of the, of the matter is the plan uh, by the Flyers was to trade Gauthier for the number five pick, pick Reinbacher, and then um, get Mitchkov. They were trying to ensure that Mitchkov would uh, would be available to them at seven because they they knew that Anaheim Anaheim Arizona didn't want to uh, pick him, so they went with that. Um, I can't I can't disagree with that that denial not not wanting to make that deal. I I I don't think I would have either. It's it's hard to say no to something like that, but at the same time, knowing that you're going to be benefiting the other team that much more, and the fact that they're going out of their way to get the guy you want anyway, probably not. And it's clear by from everything in in these rumors uh, that Reinbacher was a very popular prospect, and he was truly in. Uh, the Canadians uh, target he was their target um, if if the Canadians wanted to get an offensive player I, I that's going to be the argument hey the Canadians need offense I'm not arguing that at all they do um, and a lot of people were arguing they should have drafted Mitchkov to fill that need but if the Canadians didn't want Mitchkov and they really wanted offense they could have easily have chosen uh, Ryan Leonard and not trade that pick and help out the other team. So it's it's clear that Reinbacher was was the target, and not just for the Canadians, but for several other teams. Uh, Anaheim, no, not Anaheim, I did it again. Arizona, who was picking sixth, they were going to pick Reinbacher if he was on the board. Even Mitch Cobb be damned. So it's, it's clear that Reinbacher is fairly high on a lot of people's uh, prospects list, especially at that time, NHL people. Uh, not necessarily the fan base, but hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, all right, moving on to uh, Trevor Zegers now. With all of this about Goatsy coming out and him going to Anaheim, um, word on the street now is that Goatsy has, uh, not Goatsy, Zegers has become available via trade. Um, so I wrote about this on the Hockey Writers and... Yeah, so the Canadians pass on Gauthier, uh, the, the Gauthier trade. And why would Zegers be available? Well, you look at their prospect pool, the Anaheim prospect pool. Now they have Gauthier, they have Leo Carlson, they have Mason McTavish. They have a really strong forward group. And they could afford to move Zegers out if that's what they want to do, especially when you think about all the cap that they're going to have to uh, deal with, signing all these guys, keeping them on. So... First thing is, Zegers has a reputation of being a me, myself, and I kind of player. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard from a couple of people. Um, I haven't seen it, but that's the rumor. Uh, all right, so would he fit with the Canadians if the Canadians were to trade for him? I think he could, and, and there's there's caveats to this, so please bear with me. Um, Zegers had, has had back-to-back 60-point seasons, back-to-back 23-goal seasons, 
He was a runner-up for the Calder Trophy. He's played in the past with Cole Caulfield over several seasons, uh, winning a gold medal at the World Juniors, playing in the USN TDP. Uh, and Zegers plays a style similar to that of Jack Hughes, who, with Caulfield, really, really clicked. So would Caulfield and Zegers click? More than likely, they're friends. They spend time together in the offseason. So why not? Let's say they do. Let's say that the chemistry is there. Is Zegris good enough to pay the, a massive price? And I'll get to the price in a minute. Um, if the team sees him as someone who can get over 50 assists per season and someone who can get you 25 goals per season, so a, a 75 to 85 point center, then yes, they could see him as being worthwhile offensively. Defensively, there's still a lot to work on with his game. But that's where Adam Nicholas and Martin St. Louis would come into play. Now, what would the cost be? When you think about the cost that for Goatsey to land in Anaheim, uh, Matt mentioned it, you know, Drysdale in a second. Drysdale being a solid top, possible top pair defenseman who's offensively gifted. So this is a kid that's really, really high value. What would the, what would it take for the Canadians to get something like that? A Caden Gooley, an Arbor Jack guy, high first, a top prospect, all of the above. When you start thinking about it, it would probably cost, let's say they want more, uh, they don't want a defenseman. They don't want Elaine Hudson. They want a, they, they want a forward. So uh, Joshua Roy. Uh, possibly uh, Montreal's first round pick this year, maybe a first round pick the following year. Uh, maybe, maybe another defenseman could be, it could be Hudson that they asked for. It could be Jack. I could be Struble, but a package deal like that. I think that that would, that asking price for even someone as good as Zegers can be is too much. It's just just too much. You're better off to hold on to that pick in 2024, which is looking more and more like it's going to be between 5th and 10th, maybe a little higher, but there's a lot of really good quality offensive players available in that in that area that won't cost you all these assets or that cap space. So I, for one, don't see it, don't see it worthwhile to trade for them. Now, Matt go, uh, talks about this. He's uh, and this is what Matt said. We know the Zegers and Caulfield are close friends, but is it the right move for the organization? And of course, at what cost? So, like I mentioned, uh, there there's a balance here. Uh, okay, so Zegers is an extremely talented playmaker. Yes, he has been showcased numerous times for the plays he has created during his young career. And this is me saying this, not Matt. The Michigan goal. And we've all seen that a thousand times on the highlight reels. Now back to Matt's points. Matt says, Kirby Doc has secured that 2C position. As long as he stays healthy. Uh, and will be will slot back into that line when he returns from injury next season. Uh, given the current lineup, if they were to acquire Zegers, uh, it's possible he moves to the wing. It's true. Uh, that would allow Slavkovsky to play alongside Doc on the second line. Uh, again, true. And it looked like Doc and Slavkovsky had some pretty good chemistry in that four periods that they played together. 
So the Canadians would still keep that top line, but they could be able to add, I don't know, uh, a second line. Um, who knows? Who knows? Uh, so that's that's Matt's two cents on those two points. Um, I've made my two cents. Now, a little bit before we end the show here on the three-goalie system. So tonight's game against Philadelphia, Caden Primo starting the game, which makes sense. He's from the area. His dad played for the Flyers. Uh, Primo has played well against the Flyers in the past. So it's kind of like a homecoming. You give him that You give him that cookie. He's played pr- fairly well this year, but he hasn't had a lot of good starts, or he hasn't had a lot of starts uh, overall. I think it's eight, six or eight. Off the top of my head, I can't remember, but it's not a lot. Um, so going to Philly, and Philly's a team in a playoff spot, and they're a few points ahead of Montreal, is that the ideal choice if you want to compete for a playoff spot? No. This is clearly a reward to a young player who has done his work and kept his mouth shut and just put his uh, kept his head down and done his job. I have no problem with that. And I have no doubt that uh, Primo is going to do, do fairly well against Philly, whether the Canadians win or not. What this means is... the. The next night, Thursday night, uh, the Canadians are playing San Jose back home in Montreal, and Montembeau was going to get that start. Montembeau would clearly be the better choice as a starter against a team like Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a much better team than San Jose. Montembeau is also playing hot right now. His last two games have been outstanding. Uh, he, st- uh, he stole the game from uh, the Rangers, especially in that uh, that shootout, that one save on... Uh, <laughs> And that one save in the shootout, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, he just completely shocks the Uh Montebo's also stolen games several times for the season, and he definitely stole that game against the Rangers. So he deserved this start because he's on a roll, but instead they're pushing over to the San Jose game, which honestly, Primo would have probably been better off with that one based on, you know, San Jose being much lower in the standings. It, the less pressure on Primo. Either way, that still leaves Allen, who's probably going to get the start on the Saturday night game. Um, but this is this is just rotating through goalies, and Primo's not getting a lot of uh, ice time. Montemo deserves more starts. Uh, we're at the point now; it's it, something's got to give. Three goalies. I, I know it's it's working in a way, for the Canadians. But it's not really helping uh, the young players. You, you look at, uh, oh, Montembeau signed a contract to an extension to stay with the Canadians as a starter. Well, he doesn't he deserve more starts to kind of get used to playing 45, 40 to 45 games a year? Yes. Would Primo be okay as a backup? Possibly. But we won't know until he's regularly in use as a backup or in a tandem. And and you say, you you mentioned Primo as that backup because, let's be honest, uh, Allen would be the better choice to be a tandem goaltender with Montembeau, but you would actually get something of value for him in a deal, and you would not get something of value for Primo at this point. So 
you let go of the veteran, you let the young guy play, you save a little bit of cap, you get an asset. And if it doesn't work out, you let the season play out. And this summer you, you find another goalie, you've assigned someone uh, trade for someone either way. And you can send Mo, uh, Primo down to the AHL after the camp next, uh, next summer or next fall. And, Someone claims them, they claim them. If no, if not, then Laval gets a, a quality starter. Something's got to give here, though, and there is there is smoke on the horizon on uh, an Allen trade, and I th- I think we're going to see one by trade deadline. But hey, rumors are rumors because uh, only for the fact that nobody really knows what's going to happen. We're all guessing. We're all trying to eke out a. Uh, a little hockey talk here and there. So uh, that's it for this show. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of doing these alone. I like the the back and forth uh, more so. And I I wish Matt could have been on, on uh, this episode with me. He did send in some notes and it, it was good to talk with him online even. So thanks Matt for, <laughs> for participating and uh, best of luck overseas. You know, we miss you here. And for Treg, who's recovering from his uh, his dental surgery, uh, I hope the drugs they gave you is, are, are, are amazing because uh, you deserve it too. All right, so uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sending in your comments, uh, emails, interacting with all three of us online, um, good and bad. Prefer the good though, but, you know, take what we can get at this point, but <laughs> just kidding. All of you people out there who have been talking to us, 99.99% of you have been awesome. Great people to talk to. You guys are the best. Uh, make sure you check out other podcasts like uh, Locked On Canadians, uh, Abby Hour, Abolison. There's tons of others. You know, don't we don't we don't mind you listen to other people as long as you keep coming back to us. So uh, thank you for interacting with us. And uh, remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. 
follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 